0: We are, we are continuing to, to look at, um, uh, actually to just sit in and learn of this message that the Lord taught. Uh, it's it's, a, it's a, one of the most lengthy portions of scripture we have of his teaching in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Uh, some refer to it as a sermon on the mount where he sat down and he taught the, the people. Uh, and the first part of that in Matthew 5... We've been kind of working our way through these first 11 verses known as the Beatitudes. And uh, we've looked at uh, the importance of of that as he builds his message, really, the teaching that day on these foundational truths that have to do with our attitudes and have to do with us before him. So if you will stand with me, we want to read these first first 11 verses together again And uh, my goal is by the time we finish these first 11 verses, you will know this by memory. So uh, many of you memorized these as a child. uh, And so it's going to be refreshers. Others, you're saying, I can't memorize. But if we read it enough, you're going to be surprised how much you remember. So join me now in the reading of God's word. And seeing the multitudes, he went up and to a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying... Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Now, Father, may your Holy Spirit be our teacher this morning. Give us attentive ears Give us receptive hearts and obedient spirits to your word. In Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you. You could give first service a lesson on unison reading. <laughs> they were just early, uh, but wow. I love, uh, some of you have seen, uh, so I saw God's Not Dead, and then God's Not Dead 2 has just come out, right? Some of you have seen that. Pretty, pretty pr- How many of y'all have seen God's Not Dead 2? Wow. I'm, I'm looking for it. I want to see that. Well, it was, um, it was uh, the atheist, Frederick Nietzsche, who I first became aware of, came out with a statement that God is dead. And uh, Nietzsche, in one of his writings, wrote this, assert yourself, care for nothing except yourself. The only vice is weakness and the only virtue is strength. Be strong, be a superman. The world is yours if you work hard enough for it. Another young man read Nietzsche's writings and was very impressed by him and sought to become that superman. His young man's name was Adolf Hitler. Very much influenced by the writings of this atheist, and we know how that ended up. Well, I don't know how often Jesus spoke of strength, But I know that Jesus spoke of meekness quite often. And as he begins his sermon that day on the uh, sitting there on the Mount overlooking the Sea of Galilee and the the valley there. The third beatitude in Matthew chapter 5 verse 5 is where we come to this morning. It's blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. So I want you to look with me today at uh, lessons to be learned about meekness. Now, the first thing I want to say up front and and loudly is that meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Matter of fact, the best definition that I have ever heard that stuck with me, okay, (laughs) that I remember, the best definition of meekness that I remember is that meekness is power under control. Power under control under control. And a good example of that, uh, uh, to me, matter of fact, this is one of the, the, the Beatitudes there where Jesus, it says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, a, a familiar, uh, portion of scripture. He says, take my yoke and learn of, uh, upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls. So Jesus said, I am meek, now, that day in the temple, as Jesus watched what was going on with the, uh, with the, with the changers of money and the selling of uh, sacrificial animals and everything, the, the commerce that was going on in the temple, he sat over and he watched and he began braiding. I could see little pieces of, uh, of leather. Now, my granddaddy would say he, he, he braided a whoop. I guess that's a whip. But, uh, but he, he, he braided that. And then as he finished that, he turned over the, the tables of the money changers and drove them out of the temple. And he said, you know, what, my house is supposed to be called a house of prayer. You've made it a shopping mall. Get out of here. And he really didn't say that. Don't, you know, but, but you can read. And that day, I'm sure that Jesus didn't look weak. <laughs> okay? He didn't look weak, but he was under, he waited, he was being controlled. He was power under control. And that control, I believe, was of his father and of the Holy Spirit. So one of the things that Matthew 5 is saying to me uh, clearly is that I I need to allow God and God's word and the Holy Spirit of God to guide me, to direct me, to teach me. As I do this thing called life. Uh, it's almost like getting in your car and saying, okay, Jesus, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm behind the wheel. And, uh, and, and I'll drive, but you, if I'll drive where you tell me to go. If you say straight ahead, I'm going to go straight. If you say turn right, I'll turn right. If you say turn left, I'll turn left. If you say stop, I'm going to stop. If you say turn around, I'm going to turn around. Because I want you to guide me. I want you to control my life and my journey through this life and my destinations. So as we look at this, this verse five this morning, I, I want to share with you some of the things that I've learned and, and I'm, I'm anxious to share me for you to share with me. Some of the things maybe that God's teaching you, uh, in your walk, uh, through life, your journey as a Christian, especially about meekness. The first one that just jumps out to me, and it's in this verse here of Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, he says, take my yoke, upon you and learn of me. Meekness to me is teachable. It's teachable. Learn of me. He wants us to know him. He wants us to know him. Now how do how do we do that? Well one of the one of the best ways for me is is in his word. Is how read about Jesus. How did Jesus interact in this situation, in that situation? Remember several years ago we came out with the with the the wristbands, and then we put them on mugs, and then we put them everywhere. WWJD? And, and I like that. What would Jesus do? Uh, it's no, it's just a, it, it was uh, it, to me. It's a reminder uh, that we need to be teachable. How did Jesus handle those when he was accused? How did Jesus handle those when they rejected him? How did Jesus handle those when they wanted to make him king? How did he handle all these situations? He says. Take his yoke upon us and learn of him, teachable. To so those who are involved in athletics, the word is coachable. Okay, coachable, and uh, I've heard that word and I've used that word often. What a what a shame it is to have a, an athlete or boy or a girl that has just been gifted with athletic abilities. I mean, I mean, you know, they're they 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 they're, 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 they're Designed right. They're built right. And they have all this potential. But they're not coachable. They will drive you crazy. They can get you fired. A lot of things happen when uh, they've got this package. But, but you, can't, you can't do anything with it. It's like, oh man, what a waste. And I've, I've said that probably a time or two. And I know of a lot of coaches that said, what a waste. If I could take that kid's abilities and put it in this kid's body, who is teachable, we would dominate, you know? And what a shame it is to me when I see men and women who are born again, who say they love the Lord Jesus Christ, that he has gifted and and given with talents and skills and abilities that could be used for the kingdom of God, and they are not teachable or coachable. One of the things that I've learned is that meekness is allowing God to be in control. It means they're humble. They're not self-sufficient. They're not stubborn. They're not arrogant. To become more and more like Jesus, we need to learn of him. Learn of him. Second thing, another thing that I've learned about meekness is that meekness is gentleness. Gentleness. Romans 14.1. I've asked Craig to put it up. Who have I got out there? Craig. Uh, And I've asked him to put it in in the message just simply because uh, it it really just, it, it pops to me. Welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Even... When it seems that they are strong on opinions, but weak in the faith department. <laughs> Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. Oh. oh, You know, I know a lot of people that takes it upon themselves to, to try to be the Holy Spirit. That situation, been there, done that. Don't work too very, too good. Accepting people, loving people where they are, treating them with respect and with gentleness. Galatians chapter six verse one says this: "Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, let the spiritual ones among you restore." Look at this word. You see that word? Restore. There's a uh, there's a product. I-, I watched. I saw it on advertised yesterday. I was I was watching probably some. Uh, message. Some preacher preaching a message, but advertising. I think it was a Virginian that we was watching. Went to advertising anyway. A Virginian was probably a preacher. I don't know. Anyway, but it, it's Zamp, Zamp, and it's, show, it's showing the difference. It's, it's, it's supposed to restore whatever there. You put it on, it restores it. It don't just clean it; it restores it. And they show the difference. You know, cleans only skin deep. It shows up here, and restore goes all the way down. It says when somebody's when, when somebody's overtaken in a fall, let those who are spiritual. Among You restore such a one, look at this, in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. What happens when, uh, how do we respond when someone we love or someone that we're close to or someone that's on staff or someone that we work with? What, how do we respond when, uh, when they mess up big time? Do we say, I knew it was going to happen. Dad, you tried to tell you? You wouldn't listen to me? Dummy? That's a stupid thing to do. You know? I mean, yeah. I mean, I told you so. How do we, how do we respond? Meekness. Meekness is gentleness, not judgmental. I'm learning that. Another thing that meekness is teaching me is that meekness is submitting to the Holy Spirit of God and allowing Him to control in my life. Uh, now, I'll just tell you something. Some of you, this is going to be... I, 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 it's probably going to be difficult to swallow I'm fixing to say, so just get ready. For some of you, you're going to say, I knew that. I knew that. You're way ahead of the game. If you, are, if you live... Now, John, John Dean sits over here where Gary does first service. And John, almost every Sunday, I'll say, John, how you doing? And he'll go, got a pulse. <laughs> and some, some Sundays, he will say, "Do you hold the mirror up? Yep, still got, still breathing. So, so most of us that are here are, are breathing. We're mostly alive this morning, okay? This is, the, this is the truth. Now, listen, if you live, you're going to be hurt. And in and I, and I, and I, and my notes, I put hurt with a capital H and a capital U and a capital R and a capital T. One, one, one reason is because I knew how to spell it. And I was proud of that. It was a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big four-letter word. But you're going to be hurt to live. To love, to live and love means that you're going to be hurt more deeply. Because people you love, people you care for, are going to do things that hurt you. Sometimes And most of the time we think, well, they, they had no idea of them. You, you hope they didn't. If they did, it even hurts more. But how do we as Christians, how we react or respond, how we handle those hurts can teach us much about how we're doing with being meek. What's your normal reaction when you get hurt? Is it, uh, you know, I mean, I guess all of it, there's a knee-jerk reaction of just going to defensive mode, uh, but do we, do we re- react by retaliating or, or, or getting even or, or is it one of forgiving them, loving them, treating them with kindness? You see, meekness to me, meekness is a matter of choosing to allow God to be in control and not me. How I many? I don't know if you've ever heard this expression. Yeah, probably all of us have. Have you ever heard this expression, expression? Well, they just flew off the handle. Now, if you've ever had an axe or a matic fly off the handle, you know what that means. It's dangerous. And if you've ever flown off the handle, you knew that. You know that you weren't in control. When that happens, you're not in control. It's not pretty. People can be hurt. When we uh, when we react, anybody ever anybody ever have buttons? You you, you know, anybody ever push your buttons? Yeah, and uh, sometimes maybe people just push our buttons They they and they know just exactly what to say or to get going. Sometimes it feels like people are like running an ad machine on their buttons, right? It's like they're just pushing buttons all the time. And and and, you know, if, if we allow people to push our buttons and make us react or respond to what's going on around us. Basically, we're saying, you're, in, you're controlling me right now. Yeah? And God wants to control. Look at 1 Corinthians 13 as a reminder. And let me share this. 1 Corinthians 13 is kind of in the middle of this section. Verse 4, 5, and 6, and 7. And I've put it up in the New Living Translation. Let me just tell you why. I learned 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, first time King James memorized as a kid uh, about love and what love is, what love's not. But then... Later on, and Barbie and I, this June, a couple of months from now, we're going to celebrate our 46th anniversary. And that woman deserves, I want to tell you, that woman deserves a medal and a coronation for being married. Bob, you know, that's a, you know what? Of all the sermons I've ever preached, and I've got an amen or two, but you're over there, you look like one of those bobblehead dolls right now. <laughs> he was. He really was. <laughs> she, they just, our wives deserve that. But we, we, we would be married 46 years, and we were in... Um, we were in a uh, a marriage. I, I don't know if they were marriage retreat, couples retreat or uh, you know marriage seminars. And, and uh, what what do, we, what do we do on that? Orville and, and Susanna are with uh, marriage encounters. Uh, and I just want to tell you, those are good things. Those are good things. And when you, there are things that's supposed to take great marriages and make them super great. There are things. There are things that take. Uh, we don't know what that is. It's programmed. First service it happens about nine thirty. Second service it happens about ten after twelve. If you are doing that to try as a cue to me to say, the Pastor, do you know what time it is? <laughs> and he said that with meekness. I just want you to know that that was said with great meekness. Well, we were. If if as you invest in your marriage, I just want to tell you that is one, that is one of the most uh, that is a good investment in that which is one of the most valuable things you'll, you'll ever invest in. So I encourage that. We were in, a, in, a, in one, some kind of a weekend with that. And uh, and when I ran across this, this first Corinthians 13, the first time I saw it in these words. Now, I, I was doing pretty good. I memorized it. King James was doing pretty good. But there were a couple of words in this that just bothered me. And I thought it was heresy. Uh, and I went back, and as I, as I looked up in Greek, the words in King James, I was really, by that time, I was under conviction. Okay? But what we're talking about, let's look at this. Love is patient and kind. Mm-hmm. That's about. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. Thought I'd done pretty good on that second part of that verse. First verse, I kind of ran over quickly. All right. Are rude. It does not demand its own way. Well, it was kind of young. but then I ran across this one. It is not irritable. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, I, <laughs> bless them, lords. All I say. I, and, and about, but about, yeah, about ten or eleven o'clock at night, and 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 uh, that gets on my plate, Jim. Irritable. Just tired and irritable, grouchy, I, grouchy, irritable. It don't say grouchy, so it must not mean grouchy. But uh, love is not easily irritated. Ooh, keep a burr under your saddle all the time. Let the Holy Spirit help take that thing out of there. Okay? And it keeps no record of being wronged. Now, I learned something for a service the things that, you, that are circular and you stick cars down in so that you can look up people's addresses and names on that. Tell me what it is. Rolodex. Rolodex. It's not a Rolex. <laughs> First service, I had them on a Rolex. I know it. Bob said, I'm going to go home and tell my wife, give me one of them things. A Rolodex. Now, I, for those of us who are a little bit older, we're familiar with that, Right? I mean, I had a little box I had stuck down in there. Then they came out, and you, and you had one that was on a wheel, and you turned that sucker. And it was like, oh, my gosh. If, if I ever get in the big office, I'll have one of those on a roller thing, you know? And now, I, I do this at risk. Now, the younger people, they got them all in here. At first service, I pulled out my phone. And when I pulled out my phone, a dog bone come out. And, uh, and uh, it's just that the grandkids are doing good now. We found out that dog bones are a lot cheaper than candy. Just, no, I'm just No, no, I'm messing messing with you with that. Zach's looking down to see if if he's got any of that gravy run outside of Zane or Taylor's mouth. Um, You you younger kids with technology, you know, you you got stuff you put just contacts. Well, the writer of Corinthians says that love tears up the Rolodex of hurts. Oh, my goodness. Not only the hurts, but the one who is the herder. It means that we stop keeping a record of that. Go on quickly. It does not rejoice about injustices, but rejoices whenever truth the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Wow. Love is choosing to allow the Holy Spirit... To help to allow him to, react, to, to work through me so that I am not reacting to those buttons being pushed or the things that's happened to the circumstances, meekness is allowing him to be in control Meekness, another thing that lesson I've learned about meekness is that meekness is more understanding and less demanding. Meekness is more understanding. And less demanding. Philippians chapter 2. And again, verses 3 through 5. And I've asked him to put this up in the message again. And I had a guy come up after first service. And he said, man, help me find that in in my King James. And I said, that's what I've got right here too. And it's it's, it's verse 3. And uh, uh, King James says, and let him esteem others better than themselves. Okay, that's the kind of wording. He said, because I want to show this to my (laughs) brother-in-law. He really did. All right, it says, Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put aside yourself and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own. I'd say your own advantage. If I was writing the message, they said, don't, don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. At least leave it up there for a minute. Craig, we're going to come back to it. When things aren't going the way I want them to go, when things go the way I want them to go, I get worried. But when things aren't going the way I want them to go, am I demanding or understanding? Do I, do I take out my frustrations uh, on those who are around me? You know, kick a dog out of the way, tails wagging, I just got home, get out of the way, rough day. Dog don't know. Do the kids that way? Do my spouse that way? Or do I allow those circumstances to be a learning lesson for me? You know what happens? What happens when you pray for patience? Huh? You pray for patience, and God will. It seems like He quickly allows us to be in a circumstance that helps us learn patience. I don't want to learn. Got that wrong. I didn't want to learn it. I just want it now. Yeah, need it now. And he says, okay, I'll let the trine of your faith produce patience in you. We learn that. And as we learn patience, I believe that we too, I believe one of the things that that Scripture is teaching me, and I'm learning from from this third beatitude, is that meekness can be learned also. Notice in this passage from Philippians, there there's three things that we're told not to do. Not to do, remember we 're talking about meekness is more understanding, less demanding what are we what's one thing we're told not to do huh don't push your way to the front line hmm. don't push your way to the front second of all don't sweet talk your way to the top i I don't know we would never use the word sweet talk, but we would. What else are we told not to do? Huh? Don't be obsessed with getting your own way. Don't, don't be focused. Don't, you know, don't be focused always on getting your way. But there's some things he tells us to do here in these verses. What's, what's one of the things he tells us to do? Huh? Put yourself aside. What's that mean, Tim? Think of the other person before you... Put yourself aside. So why? We put yourself aside. Why? So we can help others. Put yourself, put yourself aside so you can help others get ahead. So another something else that we're told to do. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. And then thirdly... We're told to think of ourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. Now, in Philippians, pastor, 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 passage here, very familiar. This is where scripture talks about that Jesus took upon himself the form of a servant. He clothed himself in humility and he took upon himself the form of a servant and he humbled himself, Philippians says, and became obedient, even obedient to the death on the cross. So the writer of this is helping us to see that meekness is more understanding and less demanding of our own way. There's one more lesson and I've got to quickly hurry. That, uh, uh, but it, but it's just know that I think, I think we have a choice. I, I think I can choose to be rude or crude or I can choose to be patient and kind. I can choose to be helpful or I can choose to be a pain in the neck. Yeah? I, I can choose to be demanding and under uh, our understanding it's my choice I can choose to allow Holy Spirit just take a deep breath and say okay God I can choose to do that right there as a believer of God He lives within us and that's He desires to and the more we practice that and learn to do that the more we're able to hear more clearly to His voice and obey Him last thing meekness is learning to disagree agreeably disagree agreeably i'm going to give you another one of those shocking statements about if you live you're going to be hurt similar you can't please everybody all the time uh just relax if you're one that's been trying to do that i read i read about preachers uh, about a preacher who went to jim a preacher went to a seminar and uh, one of, and one of the breakout sessions was how to please 100 percent of the people and the preacher said he walked into that, that room and the room was full and they were all the chairs were full and they were standing around the walls. The preachers wanted to know how to do that. And the guy got up and said, well, about 50% of people are going to be happy when you come and 50% of people are going to be happy when you leave. And That was it. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. For me, I found that a test for me, a, a good indicator of how I'm doing in my spiritual maturity, how I'm doing in my meekness. Is how I uh, interact with or how I deal with or get along with the disagreeable. Now, let me say, meekness does not mean compromising my convictions, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about being meek and dealing with in relationships and dealing with it doesn't mean compromising my, my convictions. But it's, it's handling conflict with gentleness. And a couple of three or four years ago, as a staff, we were going in devotion. We went through a little book and and one of the chapters in the book I I found really good was pick the hills you're worth that are worth dying on. In other words, choose the battles we're willing to fight for. Not everything has to be life or death. Forty six years of marriage and we were married in about the seventh, eighth year. We God had blessed us and we had our first child. I'd never had one of them before. I'd raise, raise calves. I'd raise show pigs. I'd raise pups. I'd raise dogs. But I had never had one that would talk back to you. And was, and, and our daughter, we were blessed. You know, she, we were blessed. If, if God had given us that first, we may have quit on that. I don't know. But he gave us Paige first. But a little girl. And uh, listen, I, I coach boys. I know how boys. Girls... Who, who can, who knows? And uh, early on, and and we were blessed, but early on, we had one of the best, she went to kindergarten, she was five years old, she was daddy's precious angel, blue-eyed, fair-skinned, blonde-haired. It's the same daughter I have now, you just don't recognize the same daughter, but (laughs) she's in a nursing, can't get to me, I'm not worried about her. We were blessed to have one of the best kindergarten teachers you could ever have, we really were, Uh, Miss Janice uh, Cochran. Was, uh, Barb's, uh, was Paige's kindergarten teacher. And a Christian woman, a great Christian woman, godly woman, and a super teacher. Uh, and she, Miss, Miss Cochran, though, was dark complected, had black hair. And she looked good, and, and she wore red lipstick. And it looked good on Miss Cochran. But the first time I saw my five-year-old daughter <laughs> with her lips, with red lipstick, daubed on them. I like to lost it. Yeah, I, you know, I thought she's five years old and she's headed to hell. <laughs> Save her, Jesus. You know, I mean, I mean, that's kind of where I mean, and, and I remember, and, and I just got this, my, and I like to freaked, I like to panicked. And Barbie came over, and Barbie said, Honey, it's okay. It's okay. She's okay. She's still the same little girl. Her teacher wears lipstick. And I said, you know, I'm thinking, that's great, but that, yeah. and, and she, and at that time, it was one of the times, ask Barbie, she'll tell you this. Barbie said to me, "I see you're not going to be able to handle the girl thing." <laughs> that was five. You can imagine by the time we got thirteen. Oh, I would have, I would have, you know, I would have been in, in what, still wearing white jackets today, and I would just, Bob, I'd, I'd have been doing this thing, you know. But Barbie said to me, "If you can trust me, I will guide our little daughter through this girlhood thing, and you just try to relax and breathe." <laughs> and it worked. But, you know, we need to choose. And that was, that, those are kind of battles sometimes we freak out over. We freak out over. And, and we get, get over that. You know, some of those things, even with our kids. You know, even with our kids, we, we freak out this. But especially, not just the kids. But when we talk about as Christians getting along together. Here at the House of Prayer, we got, a, we got a saying I grew up with that was part of the church. Part of the motto or the creed, whatever you have it. But it says this. It says, In essentials unity in non-essentials liberty but in all things love in all things love and that I heard that over and over and over growing up in the house of prayer we, we need to get along with others, even when we disagree. And 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 it was um, it's, it's been good for me to understand that God has designed His church this way. Look at First Corinthians chapter twelve, verses four through seven. It says there are different kinds of spiritual gift, but the same Spirit, Holy Spirit, is a source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we, look, so we can call attention to ourselves and talk, talk, brag about how spiritual we are. Is that why he gives us spiritual gifts? No. Why? So we can help each other so that we can edify the body of Christ, build up the body of Christ. Of Christ. That's right. God has placed us here to serve Him and to serve one another. We're not all the same. We're not supposed to be all the same. I love this. I, I just love this. Somebody asked me recently about, about our elders that, that of a church. And I just love this. I'm not going to tell you who's who. You figure it out. But you probably can't because these men love God. Okay? We've got a former Baptist pastor. We've got a couple of former Methodist pastors, We've got come, one who comes from an Assemblies of God background. And we've got one who comes from more of a charismatic background. And we've got one that just comes from a heathen background. Now, all of you are going to try to wonder which one of that, the elders it was. Don't go there. I'm just simply telling you, and all these men love God and love you and love each other. See, God, cre- God, God creates us differently, and that's good. He gives us differently for His glory. We're not supposed to be the same. Look at the verse 17 and 18. I think same chapter here. He says, if, if, if the whole body was an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body was just a big ear, how would you smell? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. And that is so true, and, and the writer of this is making that application spiritually in our lives also, that God places us within the body of Christ to serve him, and he gifts us differently, and he, and, and, and he makes us differently. One of the things that I love that's been so beneficial to me growing up in a house of prayer is I love this differences. We were found in the, in the early 1950s. And as an interdenominational church. Now, just to tell you the truth, back when I started college, in the dark ages, on on the college application, I had to put down my denomination. And the first thing I put was Baptist, because that was easy to spell. The second year, I filled out that information form. I put Methodist, because I was going to a Methodist school. I figured that maybe they'd give me a scholarship. They didn't. The third year, by the third year, my junior year, I wrote down interdenominational. I had learned to spell that and mayonnaise both by my third year of college. And I thought if I write that sucker out, they're going to give me my bachelor's degree right now and say, look at this intelligent man. I don't even think they understood it. But when we, when we were founded as a church, as an interdenominational, the body of believers at the House of Prayer came from so many different backgrounds Baptist. Well, what kind of Baptist? I, and I, and I'm, I was, I'm amazed to find out. That there's all kinds of Baptists. You got Southern Baptists, you got independent Baptists, you got hard shell Baptists, you got soft shell Baptists. It's almost like crap. You got all kinds of these things. <laughs> and there are people, and then at the House of Prayer was made up of Methodists. Methodists are the same way. You got Methodists, you got Wesleyan Methodists, you got Free Methodists, you got all kinds of these, you know, denominations that people come from. You got you know, you got people coming from uh, charismatic backgrounds. You got people coming from Assemblies of God. You got people coming from Church of God. You got people who had a guy up after first service. He said, "Why didn't you mention that you got you got us people who came out of the Catholic Church and 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 God just put us here?" I said, "Yeah." And you've got heathen. He just put all those people together, all those people together, worshiping Him, and it amazes people. And they say. And, and, and because, and they, I've had them say to me, I've, I've had them say to me, literally, because I love to tell people, what, they say, what denomination are you Say so generic? And they, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and I'd say, well, what, what do you think I am? Well, I've learned not to do that. It's like asking, don't ask a kid or don't ask people that. What do you think I am? They'll tell you quickly. Um, but they say, how can you do that? How can you get along? How can a church function? Not a function, but how can you minister? How can you be involved in ministering to the community? How can you be involved in the outreaches with the youth, mission trips, and all that you do when people believe so, much, so different about so many different things? And I love it when they ask that because I say to them, because we have the same Savior, because we have the same Lord, because we have the same Heavenly Father, and we've learned over the years to focus on those things that are essential, which we agree about, Jesus Christ. And we've learned that a lot of the other, even, I'm not saying it's not important, but a lot of the other, when we get to heaven, I, it's kind of like I said this first service, and again, i am got to close now because I'm, you'll think I'm heretical when I say this. When we get to heaven and we step inside the pearly gates, that's the part you'll probably think I'm heretical about. It's, it's almost like, you know, we, we, we get there and we say, man, I'm ready. I'm ready. I want to see Jesus. I want to see the, I want to see the, gates, of, uh, the gates of pearl, the streets of gold. I want, to, I want to see the river of life. Let me see that. Give me the grand tour. And it's almost like St. Peter says, no, no, no. Before you do that, there's, there's a class that everybody's got to go through. And we'll call it heaven. I started to say heaven 101, but I figured now we ought to make it remedial. Heaven 100. Okay? So it's heaven 100. And in heaven 100, God will take us in and he will straighten out all our theologies. And we're probably all going to be, we're probably going, some of us are going to be pleasantly surprised and some of us are going to be really surprised. But the one thing about it is, is—is nobody agrees on all those things, but the one thing about it is everybody who goes through remedial heaven 101 or 100 has got one thing in common. If you're there, and if you get there, you'll get there through the blood of Jesus Christ. <laughs> you won't work your way there. You won't earn your way there. It's not by works. Works follow. Not there. They're important. But they don't get you there. But we focus on him. And I love that. And part of being meek, I believe, is learning to agree to disagree and focus, keep Him central, keep Jesus Christ central in everything. Those are just some of the things I'm learning through meekness. Share with me your stories. What are you learning about being meek? And I just tell you this the, the rest of the verse, that's all the first, hat, first part of the verse. The, the second part of the verse says, For the meek, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So I'm, I'm writing down lessons that, I'm, that God's showing me about meekness. And, I, and all week long I'm praying, well, God, what does that mean, Lord, they're going to inherit the earth? What does that mean they're going to inherit the earth? And the only thing I knew about that was, I don't know if it's Dennis Swanberg or some other Christian, he was, was a Christian funny guy um, that went to Baylor. I heard, this, heard him many years ago, went to Baylor University. Now, Baylor is a Baptist school in Texas, right? And this guy played football for the University of Baylor, for Baylor University. And he was a lineman. I heard him tell his story. And he said, uh, you know, in the uh, first game that he started for Baylor, he was a lineman, and across from him was this All-American. They were other uh, school. They were playing probably SMU, Southern Methodist. That would be good. The Baptist and the Methodist going at it. And, and, and across the line from him was this All-American. And so this guy's thinking, hey, first snap of the ball, I've got to let him know I'm here. I'm going to let him know I'm here. Because if I don't, he's going he's to push me around. He's not pushing me around this field. And so he said the, the ball was snapped. And he said when he, when he, woke, when he came to, he said, he said his face mask and his face was buried in the sod. And he said he remember waking up and, and rolling his eyes and, and taking turf out of his face mask and, and spitting it out. And he said the All-American from the other school was standing over him. And said, the meek shall inherit the earth. (laughs) And I I thought, Lord, that was my my perspective on the the meek inheriting the earth. But I knew that wasn't what it was. And and as I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what what is that saying now? To know a little bit about inheritance and and a little bit about this for the Jews. And as Jesus was speaking primarily that day to, to a crowd of Jewish people. And as he would say, he, would, he was a Jewish teacher. Uh, they, they referred, they talked about the promises of God. The promised land. The, the land that was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were there. The promised land. The promises of God. As I look at this, and the more I looked at it, that I'm convinced that what Jesus is saying is that it's not a mouthful of sod on a football field in Baylor. But I wrote down here, the, the promises of God, the inheritance of God is all that God has And is belongs to those who belong to him. It's our inheritance. It's our inheritance. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Pray with me. Then uh, the deacons are going to come and share with us. Father, thank you this morning for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for your patience in, in, in growing us. May we seek to have that coachable, that teachable attitude to learn of you every day. Help us every day, Father, just to take an inventory and say, hey, am I, am I allowing you to teach me today? <laughs> and, that, and that line that I really needed to get through quickly, was I, was I patient and kind? Did I, when, I, when I saw that, that person or that group or that situation where I really needed to stop and lend the hand, was I, able, was I able just to put aside my agenda long enough to do that? You know, I mean, Lord, there's so many ways you grow us. Help us just to stay in tune with you. Lord, so that the world would see. I'm so, I'm so, it so grieves my heart when I hear the world looking and saying, look at those Christians, they can't even get along. They, they, they just disagree over everything. Father, that's not good. Help us to understand that which is non-negotiable and be willing to fight and die on those mountains. But help us also be gentle, teachable, as we deal with others and as we walk and work together in unity for your glory. In Christ I pray, amen.